Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. Take your Bibles this morning, and uh, my, key, my key text this morning is going to be used later on in the, 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 the message. So if you want to follow with me, go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look at the life of John the Baptist this morning. We're going to look at the life of John the Baptist and where he came up what his purpose in life was, where he ended up. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to find out uh, toward this last verse that I mentioned that we're going to be going to, Luke chapter 7. We, we, most of us know that John the Baptist, and we're going to look at some of these scriptures this morning, that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. In other words, he was the messenger. He was the one that came and told the world that the Messiah was coming. That the Messiah was coming. He was telling the Jews that Jesus was coming and He was the Messiah. We're going to look at that. But what we find at the end of His life, that He is in a prison cell and He winds up getting His head cut off. Man, does that encourage us to want to serve God? I thought God took care of the ones that served Him. I thought everyone that called upon the name of the Christ... Uh, uh, the name of the Lord and that was a child of God we all lived long productive lives and we died all of us in our 80's if we followed the Lord we realize that is not the case don't we so sometimes in life we ask this, que- this question where's God now where's God now what we're going to find out is John the Baptist is sitting in this prison cell and he's hearing about all of these things that are taking place around him, and he's going, have you forgot about me? So let's let's look at John's life. Let's look at where he came from. Let's look at what his life was intended to be while he was here, and we find that as we begin looking in Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse number (coughs) 5. It says this, There was in those days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abijar, and his wife was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in and all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office, before God in the order of His course, according to the custom of the priest's office, His lot was was to burn incense when He went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto Him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now let me explain what's going on here. When, When they worshipped at the temple, there was an area called the Holy of Holies. I think most of us have been taught about that before. In front of that 
uh, holies of holies was a huge curtain or a veil. We, we, we were familiar with that, that when Jesus died on the cross, that veil that entered into the holies of holies was rent from top to bottom. Well, this is not taking place inside that area called the holies of holies. It was in the place, uh, uh, just outside of that area was an area there where they burnt incense. That's where the, the bread was laid. That, that's where there were several different things that took place outside of that area called the holies of holies. This is where Zechariah has gone. He has gone in there and he was preparing the incense. He had probably already placed the bread that had to be there. He was preparing the incense. And it tells us that when he walks in there, he is by himself. He walks in there and when he does, he sees this angel standing, it says here, at the right side of this altar. So let's continue in verse number 12. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. It says he's going to be a good preacher. It tells us that John the Baptist, the son that you're fixed to have, is going to be set aside by God. And he is going to turn, many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord because of him. Verse number 17. And he shall be go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and to the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day of these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. I read this scripture to introduce you to John the Baptist. This was before John the Baptist was ever conceived. We read in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse, I think it's verse number 3, and it tells us that there is going to be a messenger sent, one crying in the wilderness, the prophecy that someone was going to prepare the way for the Lord is John. If you if you read about the birth of John the Baptist, what you're going to find out is when when they, John was born, or when the baby was born, they went to the temple after eight days, and it's at the temple where they circumcise a little boy. And at the eighth day, they that's when they give him his name. When they brought him forth and they circumcised him and asked Elizabeth, What shall you call him? She said, You will call his name John. And he says that the people were astounded. They said, Wait a minute. You don't have no, nobody in your family named John. You don't have any descendants. You don't have grandmas or grandpas or anybody with that, that lineage of John. You don't call his name John. And they turned to Zechariah and they said, Listen, are they going to call him? You're going to call him John? And he had been dumb, not able to speak since he heard this prophecy by Gabriel. 
And he wrote on a piece of whatever chalkboard that they gave him. And he said, his name will be John. And immediately his mouth was opened. Let me tell you, there was something special about John the Baptist. Let me tell you something else about John the Baptist. Elizabeth's pregnant. She's six months pregnant. Angel comes to Mary and tells Mary, Mary, you're going to be you're going to be a child. She says, How can I be a child? I've not been with a man. You're going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have the Son of God is going to be in your womb. And when Mary left her hometown and went to be with Elizabeth, which would be her cousin. So I want you to know, or was it her cousin? I know John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. I don't know how that works. Anyway. When, when she gets there, listen, when she walks into the room, I want you to know the Bible says that John the Baptist inside her womb was filled with the Holy Spirit and leaped inside of her womb. I want you to know John the Baptist was not just any ordinary man. John the Baptist was special. John the Baptist was sent to be of God. As a matter of fact, Jesus in His description of John the Baptist says this. He says, No man on earth has ever been born that is greater than John the Baptist. Not referring to himself, but He's talking about a common man. Born of man was greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the man. Alright? He was the man. He was called of God. He, He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. I was... Hearing uh, somebody was telling me this morning uh, about uh, a movie, and they were talking about how before the king would come into the city, they would have the trumpeters. The trumpeters would come in and blow the horn. Dun, dun, dun. And that's when everybody began to look. When the trumpet was blown, they looked back because they knew the king was coming. But this is just a side note, okay? This don't have anything to do with the message. You know, before Jesus comes and calls this church home, what are we going to hear? We're going to hear a trumpet. Because I'm telling you, when that last trump sounds, that's saying, hey, Jesus is on His way. You better be ready. Because it's too late. You hear that trumpet, it's too late then. You've waited too long. Man, we could get so many sermons on that. But we're just talking about this. I want you to know, John the Baptist was the trumpeter of Jesus coming. He was the trumpeter. When we look in the Scriptures, we, we don't read anything about John's childhood can't find anything about his childhood don't find anything about Jesus' childhood except you know the one story in the scriptures where Jesus was 12 and he's at the temple speaking teaching the the elders there but we don't read anything about their childhood so it's kind of left up to speculation I mean Jesus and John were cousins Mary went and visited with Elizabeth when she heard she was pregnant. The first person she ran to was Elizabeth. I, I don't think it's a far, far reach to believe that John the Baptist and Jesus as young boys grew up together. I don't think that's a very far reach. Scripture doesn't tell us that, but I do. I Me mean, personally, I think John and... And Jesus probably was raised up together a little bit. They probably went by and they was playing out in the dirt, climbing through the creeks and climbing trees together. I believe that. They knew each other. But now I don't think there was a real close attachment as they grew up because the Scripture tells us that at a certain time, John went into the wilderness. John went into the wilderness. I want you to know he was a kind of a peculiar character. When you read in the Scriptures and... 
And I've got that scripture up there. I'm not sure which one it is. But you read that John the Baptist run around out there in the wilderness clothed in camel's hair. He ate locusts and honey. I want you to know he was kind of an oddball of the bunch. John the Baptist was. But we also read when we look at the scriptures that when John came, many, many people came to listen to what he had to say. Let me make let me find the scripture. Look in Mark chapter 1 and in verses 1 through 8. I, I found this very, very exciting. I, I can tell you I discovered this this morning as I was studying again the scriptures that I had highlighted. The beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the gospel began with John. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. Verse 1, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, that's the, the uh, Isaiah verse that we were talking about. Verse 4, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan confessing their sins. Now, listen. A lot of people went out there to follow him. A lot of people went out. Then there's the next couple of verses says that he was clothed in camel's hair and, and uh, girded his loins with camel's hair. He ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchest of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. He says, I indeed baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. We need to understand that when John the Baptist come, the Bible says that many people turned out to come and hear what he had to say. And I want you to know, and, and I've got the scriptures up here somewhere. I don't have. I kept waiting. I said, "Well, John the Baptist must have had to do miracles in order for a great crowd to follow him." If he just got out there preaching, surely, surely, he had to have done miracles. They even got to the point where they were asking John the Baptist, he says, are you the Messiah that we've been heard prophesied of that was to come? They thought John was the Messiah. He says, no, 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 no. There's a scripture that says John performed no miracles. He didn't perform a single one. But yet the message that he preached caused many to come out. This was the message he, he said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and be baptized, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, why did he say the kingdom of heaven was at hand? Because Jesus, the king of heaven, has now come down on this earth, and he has come to establish on this earth the kingdom of heaven and the Jews were going to be a part of that. So John the Baptist says, Hey, listen, I'm telling you, the king is here. The king is here. The king is here. But what we find out, before it's all said and done, the Jews says, We don't believe you. We don't believe you. 
So we see that John the Baptist, he came, he preached that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Preached that Jesus was the one. As a matter of fact, he says, the one that comes after me is the one that I am not even worthy to tie his shoes or lace his shoes for him. And then when we look in in, uh, John chapter 1, verse 29, it says there, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and he saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. John's out there baptizing a bunch of people. And Jesus comes, and he looks and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. He said, I baptize you with water, but listen, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, what, that's what we're baptized with. I want you to know, we baptized a little boy this last week, and I want you to know when I put him under the water, that did nothing. But I want you to know that when that little boy asked on a Thursday night in his bedroom, Lord, would you forgive me my sins and come into my heart and save me? I want you to know in that moment, just like that, Jesus baptized him with the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's when it took place. It's not up here in this water. I want you to know it wasn't in the water where, where John was being baptized that anything supernatural took place. It was when Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. When we put our faith and trust in Him. John recognized Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I mean, John said this. He says, I must decrease. He must increase. So that's what was happening. John the Baptist came. I want you to know many, many people came out and they listened to what John had to say. Preparing the way of the Lord... He prepared that way. Mark chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2, it says, In those days John the Baptist preached in the wilderness of Judea and say, this is the scripture that says what he was preaching, Repent ye, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. told you what Jesus said about John. He said, listen, there's not a, a greater man born unto man on this earth than John. Do you understand how special John was to this whole thing about Jesus? It was all, I mean, Jesus was the man that brought. He was the proclaimer. We, we also read in Scripture that not only did John the Baptist speak of the things that God had called him to speak on, but it even says, and, 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 and listen. If you think it's wrong for a preacher to stand in the pulpit and proclaim the things that are going on socially in our world, some people think that's wrong. You just need to stick to the Bible, preacher. Well, John the Baptist came and he preached and King Herod heard him preach. And in his speaking, this is what John the Baptist done. He said, Herod... You went and visited your brother Philip and when you went to his house you lusted after his wife and his wife divorced your brother so that she could become your wife. You took your brother's wife and you're wrong. Now that was pretty bold, wasn't it? He said, King Herod, you have your brother's wife And that's unlawful. It's wrong in God's eyes. Well, let me tell you what the king... Kings looked down at this old boy, wrapped in camel's cloth, probably beard all over the place, eating 
a locust and honey. Son, I'm not going to take that off of you. As a matter of fact, my wife Herodias doesn't like you at all. And because you've made my wife mad, and because you've called me out on the carpet, buddy, you're going to jail. King Herod puts John the Baptist in jail. Let me tell you a little bit about the Roman jails in that day. We need to understand that our modern society are the only ones that put someone in prison for a period of time. Listen, in the days of the Romans, some 2,000 years ago, they had a jail available, but that jail was only intended to keep you for a short time until they brought the punishment upon you. In other words, until they took you to the post and flogged you, or until they took you outside the city and crucified you, or whatever judgment was brought on you. Listen, the jails were only meant to be temporary. So you need to understand that their jailhouses did not have gyms and colored TVs and air conditioning and cafeterias. They didn't have those things. As a matter of fact, if you went to jail in that day, if you didn't have someone to bring you a glass of water, you didn't get water. If you didn't have someone to bring you food, you didn't get food. Matter of fact, that's why Paul wrote a letter to, to some of the apostles and said, Hey guys, I could sure use a coat because it's mighty cold down here. They didn't pass out blankets and pillows and a cot for you to stay on. Back then, the jail system was only designed for you to be there temporarily. They didn't have luscious jails. They had jails when you read about Paul and Silas. The inner, you talk about, they called it the inner part of the city. Do you know why they called it the inner part of the city? Because most of the jailhouses were in abandoned cisterns. Cisterns were designed to collect water. When those cisterns became so polluted that they could not store water in them anymore, they turned them into jails. So when you read about these guys that, that were followers of Christ who are jailed, I mean, they're jailed in the mire, in the muck, in the stench. There was no ventilation in the middle of the city where they dug a hole and put people. It doesn't tell us. I researched all week trying to find the prison that John the Baptist was in. Marcaeus is where he was imprisoned. I read about the inner city. They had cisterns under that city. They, I, I have photos of the jail that, or that was possibly where John the Baptist was kept before he was beheaded. But here Jesus is. Jesus is telling all the people about how great a man John the Baptist is. And then we get to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Look with me right there. Luke chapter 7. I love Luke chapter 7. And I don't think it's there by accident. I'll wait for that alarm to go off. It's distracting, I know. There it goes. Luke chapter 7. I don't think this is an accident. There's four stories in, the book, in chapter 7 of Luke. Four stories. The first story is about a centurion servant who's... A servant is very, very sick. The servant, or the centurion, sends someone to Jesus and said, Hey, my servant that I love is very, very sick. Would you come? And, or or would, you, would you 
uh, heal him. And Jesus does. And that's the story where we read and see that He says, No no man of Israel has such faith as this centurion. There was a servant there in great need. The second thing that we look at, there's another one in there that starts in verse number 11. Um, a woman is attending a funeral. This funeral, this is her only son that comes out. This lady is in desperate need. Jesus walks out and He touches the coffin and raises that little boy to life again. The third story, we look and it starts in chapter, uh, in verse number 36. It's about a woman that comes and anoints the feet and the head of Jesus Christ. And it says that this woman was a woman of the city that had great sin in her life. Probably a prostitute in the city. And the Bible says that He forgave her of her great sins. Great need in that chapter. And Jesus attends to them all. Except one. Jesus attends to all of the needs. This centurion was not even a, was not even a Jewish man. Jesus met the need. A prostitute. And Jesus met the need. A dead man. And Jesus meets the need. The other need that we read about in this Scripture starts in verse number 17. Luke chapter 7 and verse 17. And this rumor of Him went forth throughout all of Judea and throughout all of the region round about. John the Baptist is in prison and this rumor of what Jesus is doing, how Jesus is healing the dead, how Jesus is making the blind to see, the paralyzed get up and walk, the lepers to be, to be healed. He's doing all of these things and John the Baptist is sitting here in prison. He hears of these rumors. Verse 18, And the disciples of John showed him of all of these things. John, man, can you see what Jesus is doing? You know, he's the one you were talking about. Verse 19, And John called unto him two of his disciples, and he sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Art thou he that should come, or should we look for another? John the Baptist is in prison. He is probably down in one of these cisterns. He's having to wait on somebody to care for him and bring him food and bring him water and supplements and and whatever it takes for him to stay down there. I want you to know, John, this was not a luxury prison. He's in the depths of the city. Jesus, you can heal the sick. You can raise the dead. You can make the blind to see. If you can heal the leper's spots. Who am I, chopped liver? If you can do with all those things, what am I doing down here in this prison? Where are you at, Jesus? Where's God now? I've surrendered my life and you're going to allow this to happen in my life? Go and ask this Jesus that I baptized if He is really the Messiah. Because in it, I believe, I believe in John's mind, he's asking that question, where is Jesus? Where is God now? 
I've surrendered my life to follow Him and now my kid's sick. I've lost my job. I go for treatment every single week because my body, my body's deteriorating away. God, what did I do that You would allow the punishment for this world to come upon my life? Can you see John asking that question? Or am I just by myself? Look what it says. Verse number 20. When the men were coming to Him, they said, John the Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour He cured many of their infirmities and plagues, and of the evil spirits, and unto many that were blind He gave sight. Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf can hear, the dead are raised and the poor, and the, poor the gospel is preached. He said, listen, did, did you get the picture? These two disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, listen, John wants to know this answer. Did Jesus turn around and go, yes, I'm the Messiah. And go about doing what He was doing? No. Jesus ignored them. And Jesus continued to raise the dead. He continued to heal the sick. He continued to make the blind see. And then He says, now you go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. Well, I want you to know, John already knew that Jesus was the Messiah. I believe God, John was just questioning, God, where are you now? Jesus, where are you now? And listen to this Scripture. Really simple Scripture that is so many times not seen. Jesus says this, And blessed is He, look in verse number 23, And blessed is He, whosoever shall not be offended in Me. Some of you in your, your translation it says, Blessed is He, who does not stumble on the account of the things that I do. Blessed is he who when you are suffering in this world is not discouraged or give up and quit on God because of your suffering. Blessed is he. I want you to know we have an enemy in this world. His name is Satan. I want you to know everything in this world is affected by sin and right now he is in control. And this is what Jesus is saying right here. Blessed or happy is the person in this room that has claimed Jesus Christ as their Savior. And when you're going through sickness or when you're going through heartache or when you're going through financial trouble or you're going through a hardship with your children is not offended by the things that He does not do. Jesus could have snapped his fingers and John could have been pulled out of that jail and put on solid ground. But he didn't. He didn't. Blessed he who is not offended by the things or the way I do ministry or the things that I choose to do and not to do. I want you to know our God is sovereign. The greatest thing that He has ever done for mankind is when He gave Himself on the cross and He gave you the free will to accept or reject Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
And I want you to know God doesn't need to do anything else for our lives. We should be perfectly content that He has given us everlasting life. Blessed or happy is He who is not offended because Jesus doesn't step in there and do what we think should happen. Proverbs chapter 3, it tells us, it says, Trust in the Lord in all things. Let Jesus, let God do what God knows is best for us. Well, let me, let me tell you what the sermon is not about, okay? This sermon is not about Bonnie Shirley. But when I realized I was going to preach this sermon, I had to go visit Bonnie Shirley because I couldn't help myself. Because just like John in that prison cell, I sometimes ask God, God, that woman has served you all of her life. She's committed to you. Why does she have to go through this? And I come across this scripture, and this scripture says, Wayne, why don't you just shut up and be content with what I'm willing to do? Blessed are you if you will not be offended by the things I allow and the things I don't allow. Praise me in the storm and the things that are going around you. And let me tell you what Bonnie Shirley does. Bonnie Shirley does. She has no idea the effect that she has on my life because of her faithfulness in the storm. It causes me to be faithful. See, she doesn't see that. John the Baptist did not see the effects he was having on people's life as he stood down there in that prison hole, him being faithful. So, Brother Wayne, what's the message all about? This is the message. This is what it boils down to. You have no idea sometimes the suffering that goes on around us, how we endure it and how we respond to it, the testimony that is to God the Father. The testimony that is to those who are around us. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Now, am I telling you don't pray for a situation? Don't pray for somebody's healing? Don't pray for somebody's life change? Don't pray for a job? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you trust in the Lord. You serve Him with all your might and all your strength. And let me tell you, the greatest thing that we can give praise for today is that He has saved our life. Because we put our trust in Him, we ask Him to save us, He has given us everlasting life. Our rewards are not on this earth. Our rewards are in heaven waiting us. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Fathers, we come to this time in our service where we've heard the words that you've preached. And we are called to now to respond to those words. God, there's a lot of things in life I don't understand. There's a lot of things in life I would do different if I was God. Thank you for being in control and not me. Because God, you're sovereign. You know what tomorrow holds and we don't. So, Father, I pray right now that we would trust You. First of all, we would trust You for eternal life by giving our hearts and lives to You.
Second of all, Father, as we are your children, there's things in our lives we don't understand why things happen the way they do. Every single one of us have experienced them. Most of us have asked the question, why, or we don't understand me being one of those. But Father, I just want to let you know this morning, I trust you. I trust you. Thank you for this scripture that has been looked over so many years in my life. God, I just don't want to be offended by the things that take place in my life and the things that you don't do in my life. God, I'm going to just trust you. I'm going to fall into your arms and I'm going to come to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You respond this morning if you need to respond.